The Chicago Bears blew it once again in the fourth quarter, losing to the Cleveland Browns. And this latest collapse sure makes it hard to feel like Matt Iberflus will be able to keep his job next season, even as his defense continues to play at a high level. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can find the podcast on all of your favorite social media platforms at Locked On Bears, including on YouTube, where you can catch all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. On the show today, we look back over a familiar feeling bears loss. Another lead going into the fourth quarter, another lead erased a defensive collapse at the end and the offense unable to finish it out with points over the top, leaving us kind of back where it feels like we've been with this Bears team. We'll go through some of the good and bad on both sides of the ball, what it means for Justin Fields, what it means for Matt Eberflus, and what it means for the rest of this Bears season as they're not technically eliminated from the playoffs, as far as I can tell, but functionally eliminated from the playoffs. I think the story for me in the loss starts with the struggles offensively throughout the game. That, yes, the defense absolutely blew it down the stretch and gave up you know, way too many points there in the fourth quarter, and particularly like late in the fourth quarter, giving up two field goals and a pretty bad touchdown in there. And there's some defensive trends that were concerning, despite how well the defense more broadly played. I mean, you give up 20 points overall, that's a good enough defensive performance. But it's the offense's inability to score more than 10 points on their own. You know, seven of those 17 were a pick six. The Bears had one touchdown drive that started at the one yard line, and it still took them four plays plus four penalties to be able to even get a touchdown on that one yard touchdown drive. And that touchdown came on a heroic, incredible play from Justin Fields doing a lot of the work himself in order to find Cole Komet in the corner of the end zone there. Like it was so difficult for this offense to score any sort of points whatsoever, albeit against a good Cleveland Browns defense in poor weather conditions. But this felt like a little bit more than just, oh man, that defense was more talented than you. You know, you just came up against a really good group and they they had your number. Ah, oh, shucks. You know, it, it felt like a bit more than that. The, the, the constipation of this offense, when you're going up against a Browns defense that's still very good, Still has Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith we talked about in the preview podcast, but missing both of their safeties, missing one of their top linebackers, missing some of their other depth across the defense. Like, this is not a full-strength top-flight Cleveland Browns defense, and the Bears offense still had opportunities here and there, but it's a dropped would-be touchdown pass by Robert Tunyon, or if, if not a touchdown, a huge explosive play that at least sets up points, if not a touchdown, on that very play. You get drop passes later in the game. You get... Darnell Mooney, obviously 
unable to come down with that Hail Mary, which I think he's probably going to get more criticism from than he deserves. Like, yeah, it landed in his lap, but he's falling. He's kind of got pushed over. He's falling backwards. He needs to catch that ball, but they shouldn't have even been in the Hail Mary situation in the first place. And it's the deflection off the Hail Mary. So can you be mad at a guy for not catching a deflection? Like, I think we can have we can have a longer discussion about the Darnell Mooney play, but I think a lot of other things went wrong before that offensively, including, you know, Darnell Mooney not holding on and sustaining a block on that fourth and one play where Fields was scrambling and got tripped up and had to dive towards the first down marker and ultimately ends up being tackled short. Like there were a lot of moments throughout this game where this Bears offense just wasn't doing it and wasn't able to finish these drives, wasn't able to sustain success, couldn't really run the ball very consistently at all. Deontay Foreman finished with six carries for negative six total yards. Uh, Khalil Herbert finished with six carries for eight total yards. Herbert and Foreman combined for 12 carries for two yards. You know, like well under one yard per carry with two of your top running backs. Obviously, Roshan got a little bit more going. He had a big run where he found some room in there. Justin made a couple of nice runs. And even Velas Jones had a couple of decent runs in there. So the team finished with 88 rushing yards. But they did not have like a consistent ground game that their offense could rely on. They quite often were getting stuffed and got into second and 12 and third and 15 type situations where Fields and company couldn't really move the offense from there. Felt like the play calling from Luke Getze was holding them back in a lot of different ways. Like there was a third and five in the first half where they called the slot fade and feel, you know, where DJ Moore is just running a, a decoy curl route that's never really supposed to be open. It's just supposed to kind of hold the corner so the slot fade can go by. And it's just like, why, why is it third and five? And DJ Moore is not really running a route beyond the sticks, not really running a route to get open, but just running a route to occupy space and try and free up someone else on the play when he is your best wide receiver, your most productive receiver. And it took a heroic sideline play from Tyler Scott to even get you down into Hail Mary range. And, you know, you can sort of talk about Matt Eberflus and whether or not the decisions to not attempt field goals in a couple of those spots when, I mean, we've certainly complained about them attempting field goals too much. But to me, like, it felt like the Bears offense just keeps getting in its own way and keeps making life difficult for themselves. Like, yes, Miles Garrett was disruptive and made it more difficult, but Miles Garrett did not derail the whole Bears offense. He caused them some problems, but it wasn't like, oh, the Bears can't do anything because every play Miles Garrett is right there in Fields' face. Like he was he was he was annoying. He was a problem, but didn't keep the Bears from doing everything they wanted to do. It was the lack of of running. It was the lack of consistency in terms of the, the passing game finding room. It was the lack of any sort of finish on these drives and staying behind the sticks instead of ahead of the sticks and some questionable play calling in there. And then, of course, you get the big dropped passes. You get two muffed punts and even a couple of really nice Justin Fields plays. The end zone touchdown, the, the one to Robert Tanya, like he made some really nice throws in this game. And like, that's not enough when everything else is going wrong for your offense. And yet your defense is setting you up with a pick six with great field position on drives. Three picks of Joe Flacco and otherwise doing a good job against this Browns offense for the vast majority of the game. So you got to give them a lot of credit and makes the offense look worse when they're getting so much defensive help and can't do their part. And also at the end, we're left with a sour taste in our mouth with the defense because once again, they completely blow it at the end of the game. So we'll, we'll look at the, the otherwise really good, but then some frustration that still lingers with this Chicago Bears defense next on Locked on Bears. 
This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, because they have the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I'm on LinkedIn. I bet you're on LinkedIn. And if you're not, a lot of your friends, family, and coworkers are all on LinkedIn. So you can get access to LinkedIn's vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And LinkedIn knows that small businesses don't always have the time or resources to focus on hiring because you're already wearing so many hats. But with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy with a feature that even helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker and easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It felt like a really strong performance from the Chicago Bears defense for the vast majority of this game, picking right back up where they left off. And I, again, am left feeling like even though they crumbled at the end and allowed a, a big touchdown and a couple of field goals in the fourth quarter to the Browns, at the end of the day, giving up only 20 points from a defense is good enough to win, is more than enough to win, especially when you add on the seven points that they scored on a pick six and the other interception from Eddie Jackson that should have probably been a pick six, but was stopped down at the one yard line. It was almost like two pick sixes, but it did did directly result in seven points for the offense. Like this Bears defense essentially set up 14 points for their offense and only allowed 20 points to the defense. Like the Bears offense on its own just needed to generate six points and couldn't really do that in this game. And that's why they lost. So the takeaway to me is not like, oh man, this Bears defense is bad all of, a, all of a sudden, but I am left confused, concerned, just like without an answer as to like why this keeps happening to the Bears defense, where for some reason you get to like the final four minutes of either half and they fall apart. You know, in this game, it was, that's when the Browns scored with 348 to go in the first half, the touchdown to Njoku in the back of the end zone. That was a really nice catch, really nice throw. Like that wasn't bad defense per se, but all season long, you get about four minutes and under in the first half and four minutes and under in the second half. And that's when other teams are scoring on this Bears defense. And I don't know, is that is that play calling? You know, is that is that Eberflus switching up his coverages and being too soft in zone coverage? Is it opposing offenses getting more aggressive in the in that time span? Obviously, they, they kind of speed things up when you're lower on time, but is it, you know, is the offense attacking the defense differently in the final four minutes of each half than they would be, you know, in the first, what would it be, first, I guess, 11 minutes of that quarter or the previous 15 minutes, that'd be the first 24 minutes, no, 26 minutes of the half. Like, I, I don't have a good answer as to why, you know, the, the Browns get the big touchdowns, both touchdowns under four minutes to go in the half. And then, of course, the go-ahead field goal with 32 seconds left where, you know, this defense just just crumbled. And you can certainly get mad at Matt Eberflus for the blitz call on third and 15 late in the fourth quarter there where Njoku converts it on a little check down where Justin Jones, the defensive tackle, dropped back into coverage and you blitz the linebackers. I, I certainly think it's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't sometimes where it's like, okay, now we're criticizing Eberflus for blitzing when... Before, we would criticize him for not blitzing and being too soft. Now he gets aggressive and blitzes, and it's like, oh, whoa, no, no, don't do that. Like, to me, I'm not hung up on that in, that specific coverage call being the problem. Like, I, I, 
the Browns had a good play dialed up to respond to it, and it just so happened to go that way. But I think if that play gets home and, and Flacco is sacked, no one is going, oh, wow, why did Matty Fus call a big blitz on third and 15? Like, other teams do that, and with, when you call the blitz, you live with the blitz and you die with the blitz there, and the Bears were li- willing to live and die with it there and ended up dying with it there. But also... That drive continued, and they, you know, that that drive that that play was big, but that wasn't a touchdown, right? That was a first down, but you, then you got five, six more plays to stop them on that drive, and they didn't. I mean, they held to a field goal, I guess, but that was, you know, that that was just kind of the beginning, just a small part of where this defense collapsed at the end, because it, like, it, like I said, it doesn't erase what they did so well, but it really makes us like appreciate less the three interceptions of Joe Flacco, the pick six, the pick. Returned down to the one yard line. TJ Edwards diving at an interception and having it go right through his hands could have been a fourth interception. Jalen Johnson jumped on a curl route perfectly and got kind of bopped out of the air by, I think it was Amari Cooper, could have been a fifth interception on Joe Flacco in this game. And, you know, maybe the, those interceptions wouldn't have all because it was later on the same drive, but you know what I mean? Like they had all these different opportunities, took advantage of a lot of those opportunities. But like the play after Jalen Johnson gets his interception broken up by Amari Cooper. The very next play is when Joe Flacco hits Amari Cooper deep past Tyreek Stevenson. Like they're able to, that was like late in the first half, I believe. And, and, and it, it like, it, it just, it kind of piles on that way where it's like this defense is so close and then yet so far away. And of course, Stevenson gets a diving interception, a beautiful interception at the goal line to take away what could have been a touchdown or a, certainly a, a scoring drive where he gets in front of play and makes a really, really special instinctual read on a play that he had no business getting over there and making that. And, you know, Montez Sweat is harassing Joe Flacco all game. The Bears are getting good pressure. Like, the defense was doing so many things so well. The Browns really couldn't run the ball at all this game. They finished as a team with 29 rushing yards, and their lead back at eight carries for 20 yards. Like, this defense played great until the final four minutes. And I'm like, what what happened? Like, how how does that happen again? Because it's the exact same story we saw the first time against the Detroit Lions, right? The Bears are up. All of a sudden, at the very end, Goff drives down and scores these touchdowns. And, and you know, we certainly saw it against the Denver Broncos as well early in the season. The third time they've blown a big two-possession lead in the fourth quarter like this. And they even kind of made life difficult for themselves at the end against the Vikings. And there have been other games this season where the defense slips at the end and things get worse or scarier, closer, make life harder on this Bears offense. And I don't understand why it is that they're struggling to finish. Like, it makes sense to me when the offense sputters out because we've seen the offense do that throughout the course of the season. You know, that that to me is a little bit less mystifying. But when the defense goes from so great to all of a sudden letting Joe Flacco march down the field on them again, like, I, I, I'm i still sort of seeking an answer for that. And hopefully the All-22 film can give us a little bit more of a, a an answer there. But I, I suspect... You know, every situation is a little bit different and you're going to find five or six things that they all did wrong in each of those spots where it's like, oh man, on this play, it was the blitz not being getting home. And on this play, you know, it was a miscommunication of coverage. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's not one thing that you can point to, but it's like, I, I don't understand why those mistakes or those problems all wait to happen until the very end. Like that's, that's, I think what, what we won't be able to find a direct answer to, but I, like, I still can't help but feel like when you look at this game and it's Iberflus' defense collapses at the end and it's coaching decision-making throughout the course of this game that really help lead to a Bears loss, that that help undo really great plays by the defense and some a couple of really, really nice plays from Justin Fields to keep things going for his offense. And it's like, 
the players seem to kind of generally be playing well across the board, not named Robert Tanyan and Trent Taylor and Darnell Mooney, I guess. But like <laughs> most of the players, Braxton Jones had a rough time with Miles Garrett too. But like, you know, it wasn't like, oh man, the Bears are just playing like crap. These players aren't any good. Like the personnel seems to be there, but the coaching still doesn't. And as well as this defense has played, it still feels like, hey man, head coach, this one's on you. Like this is on your coaching staff. The players didn't fully botch this one. I mean, can you can the Bears lose? Can you blame it all on Robert Tanyan and Darnell Mooney? Like I think it goes a little bit deeper than that in this loss. Although they certainly are the the poster boy, big scapegoat contributors there. But all all it leaves is the Bears not officially out of the playoffs, but functionally out of the playoffs, and kind of wondering what the rest of the season even is going to look like and what it's going to mean and what the future will hold. We'll kind of get kind of ask ourselves what's next and try and find some of the answers to that very question next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you've never played with FanDuel, you got to get in on the action now before the season wraps up because new customers will get $150 in bonus bets when you place any winning $5 money line bet. So if you had bet $5 on the Browns straight up to win this game, you would have got, you know, your four or five dollars from the bet winnings for them being correct. And then FanDuel would add an extra hundred and fifty dollars in your account just for using our promo code and our URL, fanduel.com slash locked on. So if you've been thinking about trying FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Their app is safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can use all that bonus bets on all your favorite spreads, player props, over unders, and more for the last three Bears games of the season or any of your favorite sports. Anything you want to play with, they've got it at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and finish this NFL season strong. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So the Chicago Bears get their ninth loss of the season, officially guaranteeing they will finish under 500 for I think I saw like the seventh time in the 11 years since they fired Lovey Smith and certainly, you know, back-to-back seasons under Matt Eberflus and et cetera, et cetera. And you're kind of left wondering like, all right, like we had playoff hopes there for like a week or two, maybe. I mean, it depends on when you really started, if, if and when you started to maybe believe that playoffs could be possible here. I mean, it certainly was possible. And as we sit here today, the playoffs are still technically possible, you know, in the longest of long shots, mathematically, there is a path for the Chicago Bears to still make the playoffs. But as I was playing with the, you know, those playoff simulators and stuff, or the sort of the playoff machines where you can essentially run through the results of all the games and see then who would, who would get to the playoffs if these teams lose these games and these teams win these games. Essentially, along the lines of like the Bears need the Vikings to lose out. So the Bears would essentially tie the Vikings at eight and nine. Then they need the Buccaneers, the Falcons, the Rams, and the Seahawks to all pretty much lose out. And if those teams lose out, then the Saints need to win out essentially because they play, I think, the Buccaneers, Falcons, and Rams still left in this schedule. So essentially the Saints need to win the NFC South. So they'll take that fourth division spot and then have all the other teams in the in the in with Rams, Seahawks, Buccaneers, Falcons, and Vikings to all lose out, to all get below 500 to eight and nine. And then the Bears need to win out. And then with that, they would have, I believe, tie, enough tiebreakers over the Vikings and the Seahawks and, you know, the Rams and Buccaneers and Falcons in there 
to make it into the playoffs below 500 at eight and nine. All they need is for the Carolina Panthers to win, I think, three of those. I think the Panthers play the Buccaneers and the Falcons still this season. So they need the Panthers to beat them both in order for those teams to lose out. Like they need, the Bears would need some pretty uh, unlikely results to come from some of these football games between teams where pretty sure the Vikings are going to win, you know, some of these teams that they play against. The same with the Buccaneers and the Falcons. Like teams that they need to lose out would have to lose to some pretty bad teams. The Giants would need to win a few more games this season as part of this process. So it's not 0% chance, but it's about as close to zero as you can possibly get. And that includes the Bears needing to win out against the Cardinals this week, which shouldn't be too much of a problem. We'll talk about that later on. But then the Falcons after that, which is part of the Falcons needing to lose out, I guess. And then the Packers in week 17, who had a nice loss to the Buccaneers on Sunday. So like, it's still possible for the Bears to win out. Those are three winnable games, but it's a lot less likely that all of those five other teams all lose all the games that they're supposed to in order for the Bears to find some way to get into the playoffs. Like functionally, practically, in all likelihood, the vast majority of the outcomes say Bears are not going to make the playoffs. I know that's like, it seems obvious, but I think it's important to like understand the distinction there between not mathematically eliminated, but like, they're not making the playoffs here. Like it would be, you you have better chances. Like somebody, somebody, I tweeted out and somebody responded like about the same odds as getting all the, the lotto balls, right? On your lottery ticket. Like that's, that's kind of where it feels like the bears are right now. Uh, yeah. At uh, R.A. Ramirez, I can't even pronounce his Twitter. But he said, yeah. And I need six numbers on the lotto to hit. Like, yes, the bears need six numbers on the lotto to hit in order to make the playoffs. It's, it's not happening. And so now what? The Cardinals, the Falcons, both at home, and then the Packers on the road. Do the Bears have much to play for at that point? I mean, Justin Fields does. Justin Fields is proving playing to prove to the Bears and to 31 other teams that he should be their starting quarterback next season. Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, playing, coaching for their jobs to try and prove that, hey, we still belong as this coaching staff for the following season. But I start to feel like if I'm a guy like, I don't know, DJ Moore or even Montez Sweat, what am I playing for at this point, right? I've got my contract. I'm making a lot of money and I'm locked in pretty good. I'm not I'm not fighting for my job, I'm not fighting for my next contract, not fighting for my next deal. I don't have a lot to gain by putting my body on the line. And I, I just wonder... And not for the not that I question those guys specifically, but I just wonder in general over these last three games, since we're kind of like essentially eliminated from the playoffs mode, will there be players that stop trying as hard if they have less to play for? Like Jalen Johnson still playing for his next contract. I don't know that he needs to ball out over these three games. Like I don't know that these three games are gonna go a long way towards how much he gets paid. I think he's already in line to get paid big. So maybe there's a motivation to just stay healthy over these last three games, but he's entering the free agency, so there's there's something there. I, I guess, I, I mean, it's not like there's a lot. I mean, Darnell Mooney has been play, has been playing like not great, but I would certainly think if I'm him, I'm motivated to try and get some good tape on tape just to wrap up the season that for my next team because it sure doesn't feel like he's going to be back with the Chicago Bears at this point. Same with Robert Tanyan in both fronts. Like he'll be a free agent. He's played like dog crap all year. He play, had a big mistake in this game, but if I'm him, really want to get some good tape over these last three games to show my next team in free agency, maybe throw Lucas Patrick at center in the same kind of conversation 
Justin Jones will also be a free agent this offseason. Deontay Foreman will be a free agent this offseason. Like some of those guys have some stakes to play for here. And I, I don't know. I think if I'm a young guy getting in the rotation, I also just want to play and, you know, get more experience and learn. You know, a Terrell Smith at the cornerback spot rotating with Tyreek Stevenson. Both of those guys need to play and keep growing quite a bit. Darnell Wright, of course, on the offensive line, Roshan Johnson, Tyler Scott, et cetera. Like you know, Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens. Like the Bears aren't gonna start, you know, playing veterans less, let's say benching veterans or just playing the veterans less to play the rookies more because because the coaches are still trying to keep their job and because Justin Fields is still trying to, you know, prove himself to someone or everyone, I guess, all at the same time. So we're not going to see this team folded in and, and tank per se. Like they're probably going to beat the Cardinals on on Sunday next week. Like I just I would be surprised if they the Cardinals are really, really not good. And the Bears showed against the Browns and the Lions and the Vikings. So like the Bears can play with these teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Like the Bears can play with feels like can play with just about anybody or can play with some of the better teams in the league. Right. So they're they shouldn't if they fold against the Cardinals, that's a real indictment as coaching staff. The Bears should beat the Cardinals and you know, improve their draft pick, unfortunately, as a result of that. But then Falcons and Packers are a little bit more up in the air in my mind. We'll see what version of Green Bay we get by week 18. And the Falcons have really been kind of an enigma all season for me. Like they're they're simultaneously never any good and also like sometimes good. But, you know, they just lost to the Panthers seven to nine. So they, in theory, shouldn't be too much of a challenge for the Bears. And yet they're in contention to win their division. They beat the Saints like, three weeks ago and you know, they've played some good teams tough throughout the course of this season. So I, I don't know what to expect from the Falcons, but it's just a weird, it's a weird limbo spot right now for a bears team that doesn't feel like it has a direction because we don't know whether the head coach offensive coordinator or quarterback will be back next season. I get, I guess we don't know for sure whether the general manager will be back next season, but I think we're, I feel like we've kind of reached a consensus point that like Ryan Poles is safe. And then it's a matter of what he and Kevin Warren decide to do with Matt Eberflus. And then if they keep Eberflus, do they keep Luke Getze? Yes or no. And then if they keep Eberflus, when whether they keep Luke Getze or not, do they keep Justin Fields? Yes or no. Like, I think that's sort of the decision tree that goes from there. And so you're kind of in this weird, it's a weird spot where the game's results don't seem to matter much anymore, but there's a lot of draft position still at stake here and a lot of player development still at stake here. So there's a lot for us to keep watching and keep breaking down for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. Really appreciate you making us your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Come on back tomorrow, make us your first listen again. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll break down some of the All-22 film from this game, see what we can glean about what went wrong. Before you know it, we'll have Crossover Thursday with Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals and we'll get you ready for Christmas Chicago Bears football this season that'll be interesting i hope you're having a happy holiday season up to this point and even as the bears lose a tough game against the browns i hope you can still find a little bit of time just a little bit of time to bear down